Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. If you would get your Bibles out, open them up to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to be working in this passage all morning long. And I need to encourage you, and I especially need to encourage our young people to get a Bible open and be looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Even if you don't look at all the other passages this morning, that's okay. If you'll just get settled in with this text and familiarize yourself with it, I think you will find yourself most benefited by doing that this morning. As you're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and as you're getting settled in for this portion of our worship, I will say how great it is to see everybody this morning, and just what a blessing it is for us to be assembled together as the body of Christ here upon the first day of the week. I'm so glad that you've chose to be here, and I hope that you will be encouraged as we spend these next few minutes in God's Word together. Let's read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians 10, I'm looking here in verse number 11. In 1 Corinthians 10 and in verse 11, there Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11, he says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Winston Churchill once said... Don't worry about avoiding temptation, because as you grow older, it will avoid you. If Mr. Churchill is correct about that, then then I guess that means that I'm just not very old. Because it has not been my experience that temptation to sin has started to avoid me even now at 40 years of age. Instead, what I find is that temptation continues to be a very unwelcome guest in my life. And while I do most certainly wish that it would start avoiding me, the truth of the matter is that battle with sin and temptation is one that I suspect will last for the remainder of my life. Now, some of you that are older, you might be ready to jump in here and say that, Josh, well, there are certain temptations that begin to lose their strength in your life the older that you get, and I think that probably is the case. But at no point does anyone reach an age or a level of maturity where they can say, all done, no more temptations for me, don't have to worry about sin and temptation in my life anymore. No. No, temptations to sin are an ever-present reality, which is why we need to be constantly on guard. We need to be always on the alert. We need to be perpetually prepared to fight against it so that we can withstand the attacks of the evil one. Would you like some help with that? Recognizing that that is a regular part of our lives, would you like some assistance with that? I know that I certainly would. Well, let me direct your attention this morning to those three little verses that we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10 was written to Christians long ago to help them in the very same struggle that you and I experience today in the 21st century. And for them, living in the city of Corinth, it presented lots of opportunities for temptation. In Corinth, there was idolatry, 
and there was paganism, and there was all of the immorality that went along with that, and it was flaunted in a very open and honest way, as Corinth was a seaport town, and it offered every indulgence of the flesh to sailors whenever they came into port. And so Corinth was a notoriously wicked city, temptation everywhere. And so Paul wrote to those Christians who lived in that city to help them to be able to say no to the temptations that were all around them. And what makes these verses so powerful in 1 Corinthians the 10th chapter is that they contain guarantees. This passage contains some 100% foolproof guarantees for overcoming temptation. And there's just not many things in life that you can say that about. There's just not many things in life that you can put one of those 100% guarantees on. So much in our world is uncertain, it is indefinite. And so whenever we do see something that offers a full-pledged guarantee, that, that catches our attention, doesn't it? And these guarantees this morning from 1 Corinthians 10, they should especially catch our attention because these are guarantees from heaven. These are God's guarantees. God has some very definitive things that He wants us to understand about temptation so that we can overcome. And yes, as I said in the introduction, I do hope that our young people today will give extra careful attention as they are facing just an onslaught of temptations of every kind, every single day. In fact, maybe even some of those temptations would rival the kinds of things that you would have seen in first century Corinth. But young people, you need to lock in. You need to lock in as early as you possibly can on these guarantees. Get them fixed inside your heart because you'll find that they are incredibly useful to you as you go on throughout this life. But I need to say this morning, this lesson is not just for young people. This lesson is for all people. There's not a single one of us here today who doesn't need to hear the admonitions of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because the takeaway this morning is going to be the same for all of us. You know, normally I save the takeaway, kind of the final admonition and application for the end of the lesson. I'm going to give you the takeaway for this lesson right now. And the takeaway is this. The takeaway is you can do this. Everything that I'm going to say today, everything that the Apostle Paul is going to say to us today, it is designed to emphasize and to affirm and to reinforce that you do not have to give in to temptation. I do not have to give in to temptation. You can overcome. I can overcome. We can do it. Why? Because God guarantees it. And so let me set before you those three guarantees about temptation out of 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And that just begins in verses 11 and 12, where God guarantees, first of all, God guarantees, first of all, that you and I, we are not immune to temptation. Would you look at verse 11 again? Verse 11, these things happened to them, that is to the Israelites. It happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, in light of what happened to them, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Let me read those verses to you the way that we would like for them to be read. We'd like for those verses to say, Paul to the Corinthians, I'm telling you about these Israelites, and we might be able to learn something from them, but the truth is, 
we're really not like them and we're not going to mistake, make the mistakes that they made. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands just check his baptismal certificate because being a Christian means that you are exempt from any and all further temptation. That's what we'd like that verse to say, but that's not what the verse says. Paul did not tell the Corinthians that being baptized somehow raises you to a spiritual plane that the devil cannot touch and the devil cannot reach. No, what Paul does is he echoes just the whole of Scripture and what the Bible says in total about remaining watchful and having caution and care as it pertains to sin. Would you hold your place in Corinthians? Look with me in the Old Testament. Look in the book of Proverbs, please. In Proverbs, the 16th chapter... Notice what Solomon, the wise man, warns about temptation. In Proverbs chapter 16 and in verse 18, I kind of wonder if maybe Paul had this verse in mind when he wrote the letter to the Corinthians there. In Proverbs 16 and in verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Let me add to that what Peter says in the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter says it this way in verse 8. In 1 Peter 5 and in verse 8, Peter writes there, he says, Be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Both Peter and Solomon agree with Paul when saying that we are not invincible. We are not untouchable. We are not immune to temptation. Now, let me just pause right here and take kind of a, a brief side point, a brief detour, because I want to address something about temptation that sometimes we have some misunderstanding about and sometimes causes us to feel guilt when we should not feel guilt. I want to say very clearly to everyone this morning that it is not a sin to be tempted. Does everybody understand that? Just because you encounter temptation does not mean that you have done something sinful and wrong. And I know this because Jesus Christ was tempted. And in Hebrews the fourth chapter and in verse 15, the writer says there that in every respect Jesus was tempted as we are, yet without sin. In fact, in just a few moments, Cody's going to lead us in number 442. And that song says, Yield not to temptation, for yielding, giving in is sin. There it is. That's the difference. It's not a sin to be tempted. And I say all of that so that we'll stop being made to feel false guilt about something that we should not feel guilty just because we've encountered some temptation. But having said that and kind of having gotten that out of the way, let's also stop with this feeling that somehow we are bulletproof, that somehow sin and temptation, it can't touch me. It can't reach me. It can't do anything to me. And I realize that there's not anybody here who would be so brash and so cocky as to ever verbalize that and actually say that out loud with their mouth. Oh, I'm immune to temptation. None of us would actually say that. But internally, internally we do sometimes tell ourselves that. We cause ourselves to think that we are immune to sin. We read, for example, what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 10 about those Israelites. And we start thinking to ourselves, well, you know... That was a long time ago. You know, and those people, they, 
they had a lot of cultural influences and there was a lot going on in their world that caused them to do what they did. And those people had a lot of problems and I mean, that's not about me. I'm different. And those things that happened to them, that just doesn't really translate to my life. And so we end up just kind of ignoring those warnings. They don't really apply to me and in that sense I'm saying I'm immune. I think young people, this is where they really struggle. They get to thinking that I'm just, I can take on the whole world and I don't have to worry about that and it's not going to affect me. Listen to what Proverbs says again. Look in Proverbs 6. In Proverbs 6, Solomon uses an analogy for temptation here that, that really ought to help us. And I'm not going to say that it actually does always help us, but it ought to. In Proverbs chapter 6, look in verse 27. In Proverbs 6 and in verse 27, Solomon says there, Can a man carry fire next to his chest? and his clothes not be burned? I think all too often our answer to that question is, is well, well, I kind of think that I can do it without getting burned. I mean, come on, I'm wearing flame-retardant clothing, and i got asbestos all over my skin. Yeah, I think I can do it. No, you can't. No, you can't. God's guarantee is that you will get burnt when you play with Fire. Go back to 1 Corinthians 10. In 1 Corinthians 10, what's verse 12 say emphatically? Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. When we think somehow that we are above temptation, when we tell ourselves, oh, I, I, I'm not going to do that. I would never be involved in that. I can handle it. I can handle the heat and the pressure. I'm stronger than that. That'll never happen to me. Then the devil has us exactly where he wants us. And the promise of Scripture is that we will fall. Do you remember, do you remember in the news a couple of years ago, Vice President Pence when he revealed that he has a, a personal and a very careful rule about being alone with any woman who is not his wife. Mike Pence made it known that he has his own rule, and it's now actually referred to as the Pence rule, that he will not meet one-on-one -on -one alone with any woman who is not his wife. Do you remember when that was made known, how the news media reacted, and the late-night talk show hosts, with the kinds of things that they said about that? Vice President Pence was absolutely roasted about that. People said things like, oh, how puritanical that guy is. How old-fashioned that guy is. What a loser he is. What a prude. What a dork. But then right around the same time, the Me Too movement started to happen. Where all these powerful men, were being exposed and outed for sexual harassment of every kind. Actors and athletes and senators and movie producers were being exposed for the awful things that they were doing to women behind closed doors. And in the midst of all of that, there was actually a major national newspaper who ran an editorial and they said, you know, that Pence rule, it might actually be a good idea. You don't say. People can say what they want about Mike Pence and about his politics and his policies, but I'll tell you this, nobody is charging Mike Pence with sexual impropriety. That man took some steps to safeguard himself. And why did he do that? Because he recognized that he's not immune to temptation. 
And you and I, we need to recognize that about ourselves. Honestly now, young people, let me just say right here, honestly. When we act as if somehow we are above temptation and oh, that'll never happen to me, I'll never do that. What we are doing is we are just exposing our arrogance and putting it on display. Really now, are you more spiritually minded than David? Do you really think that you're stronger than Moses? Do you think that you're more courageous than Peter? Do you think somehow that you are wiser than Solomon? All of those great men fell in their own time. And just as they did, you and I can too. Which is why we need to start by accepting the fact that we are not immune to temptation. God guarantees it. Which brings me now, as you turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, to the first part of verse 13. Because there in verse 13, Paul says this. He says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Now, that particular sentence sounds, it sounds very Bible-y. And that's because it's in the Bible. And so maybe as we were reading that sentence there, you maybe didn't quite catch the guarantee. Let me see if I can translate that for you. What God is guaranteeing, secondly, is that your temptations... Your temptations are not unique. One translation renders verse 13 as the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And I think that just hits the nail right on the head. The temptations that the devil puts in front of you, they are not novel, they are not new, they are not unique. And aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that the devil can't pull some trick on us that's never been pulled before? What this guarantee means is that whenever I am experiencing temptation, I am actually walking on ground that someone, somewhere, at some point in time has traveled upon themselves. I am in a territory that is common to man. You know, when a fire truck is called to the scene of a fire and those firemen come to that location to take care of that fire, the firemen may not know exactly everything about what they are about to encounter. But you know what? Firemen know that when they arrive at the scene, they are not going to roll up and see green fire with pink polka dots and the fires burning cold. That's never going to happen. They're never going to encounter that and be thrown totally off guard. Whoa! Chief, how do we deal with green fire? I don't know what to do here. No. There are some basic properties that are just common to all fires. There's oxygen, there's fuel, there's an ignition source, etc. And the firemen know those basics. And all of the fires that they encounter, they are governed by those laws. And that knowledge gives them the confidence and the courage that they need to go in and then fight those fires. And you know what God's guaranteeing us? God is guaranteeing us that you will never be confronted with a green temptation that has pink polka dots on it. Your temptation is going to be like everybody else's. And that means then, practically, that you can't whine and you can't make all kinds of excuses and you can't say things like we sometimes are wont to say. You can't say things like, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Nobody understands the temptations that I am facing. 
I'm the only one who's ever had to face such incredible pressure like this. You can't say that. You can't have yourself a pity party in some feeble attempt to justify your sin because oh, nobody else in the whole world knows how hard this is. Paul says, stop it. God says, stop it. The temptations in your life, they are no different than what others have experienced. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying to yourself, well, Josh, you don't know what it is that I'm going through. You don't know what temptations I'm battling right now. Well, you know what? There's a sense in which that may be true. But I can tell you what I do know. I know what the Bible says about your temptation. Look in 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, John says this in verse 16. Notice how all-encompassing this passage is. In 1 John chapter 2, this is verse 16, there John says this, 1 John 2 and in verse 16, he says, For all that is in the world, all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride in possessions, it is not from the Father, but is from the world. Do you see how every temptation comes in one of three avenues? There's a craving for physical pleasure. There is a craving for what we see. And there is a pride in our possessions and in our achievements. And John says that whatever carrot the devil might be dangling down in front of you, it's going to fit into one of those three categories of temptation. Which means your temptation is no different from what somebody else is experiencing. You know, I may not lust after that, but I know about the lust of the flesh. I may not want exactly what you want, but I understand about the lust of the eyes. I may not have pride in that thing, but I do understand about the pride of life. And I think that this guarantee... It actually helps us, once again, in a couple of very practical ways. Number one, since all temptation is common to man, that means that there should be none of this looking down our nose at others and judging them for the ways in which they are tempted and the sins that they are struggling with. You know, one of the greatest harms to the kingdom of God is whenever we begin to kind of categorize super sins. Here's these just just unspeakably awful and terrible and heinous sins that are so extraordinarily bad that you know what? I, I just can't identify with that. There's just nothing I could say about that, nothing I could do to offer by way of help. You know what? If you're a drug addict, if you're a homosexual, if you're an alcoholic, I'm sorry, I, I just don't really have anything for you. There's just nothing I can do to help you. In fact, until you get yourself cleaned up, until you get yourself straightened out, you just... You just please keep a healthy distance away from me because I don't want your sin rubbing off on me. What God says is God says we are all in the same boat. In fact, our study in the book of Romans showed us that last week in chapter 1 and it's going to show us again tonight in chapter 2. And that means secondly, that while we're not in a position to be looking down our nose at others for their temptations, what it does mean is it means that we are in a position to give help and to receive help in overcoming temptation, I can be a help to you. And you can be a help to me. And it doesn't matter what the temptation may be, whether it's the temptation of, of jealousy, or gossip, or hatred, 
or bitterness or fornication or drunkenness or pornography or lying, whatever it is, stop thinking that you are unique. Stop thinking that somehow you are alone in your battle with sin. There are Christians who have gone through the exact same thing and they can help you, they can encourage you, they can admonish you, they can pray for you. And on the flip side of that, there are Christians right now who are going through some of the things that you've went through and you know what they need? They need your help and your encouragement and your admonition and your prayers for them. You know, the very fact that none of us are unique in our struggle with sin it should actually signal to us that we can overcome temptation because others have done it before and we can actually help each other to do it again. Can I add one more verse in that connection? Look in Ecclesiastes, please, in Ecclesiastes 4. In Ecclesiastes 4, listen to what the wise man says here. Talking about our working together. In Ecclesiastes 4 and in verse 9, there Solomon says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. That passage really emphasizes that we need each other, don't we? And in particular, we need each other in this battle against sin and temptation. And praise God that in our relationships in Christ Jesus, we can actually be honest with one another. We can be open. We can be transparent with each other about our struggles. Because what God says at the end of the day is that we're all fighting the same battles. God guarantees that your temptations are not unique. Finally then, turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in what is probably the most important part of that passage, where Paul says at the end of verse 13, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, he says, God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. What God guarantees to us thirdly is that we can count on Him whenever temptation comes. He is, in the language of this passage, He is faithful. That means He is trustworthy. He is reliable. His promises are not written in stone because one day all stone will crumble and disappear. God's promises instead are written in heaven. They are written in His eternal Word. They are part of His infinite character, which means that you can absolutely count on Him and count on His promises. And what He gives to us are two just amazingly wonderful promises. First and foremost, what God promises here is that you will never be tempted beyond your ability. We are human. We feel our weaknesses. We know our limitations. Everybody right now can think of a temptation that would just be so overwhelmingly powerful that you could not stand up to it any more than you could stand up against a hurricane. And what God says is, God says, I am guaranteeing that I will not allow the devil to use that kind of kryptonite to wreck your soul. 
You will never be tempted beyond your ability. Which means then, here's something that's going to hurt a little bit. This means that that pathetic cry that we sometimes let out, that cry that says, I just couldn't help myself. That's the reason I did. That's the reason I gave into that. I just couldn't help myself. That doesn't work, does it? Because God says, God has promised that He will never allow such a temptation to ever even occur in your life. You'll not be tempted beyond your ability. Which leads into that second prong of God's great promise here. Because the Lord guarantees that when temptation comes, you will always be provided a way out. There is always a means of escape. I need everybody to lock in right here and I need young people to focus very closely right here. Because while this is a very special promise, and I'm so thankful that this promise is given to us in God's Word, this promise carries with it, though, a responsibility. And that responsibility is that we must be avoiding sin. We must have an attitude that is trying to steer clear of sin. Do you understand that? Look again at the text. Look at verse 13 again. Verse 13 talks about being overtaken by temptation. That word overtaken means to be seized, to be grabbed, to be caught unexpectedly, to be taken over suddenly. Do you understand that? Do you understand how specific that is? What Paul is saying here is he's saying that yes, God does have some great things to help you in overcoming temptation. But those things are not for people who are looking for temptation. If you are looking for sin, if you are wanting to sin, if you crave sin, if you're trying to get as close as possible to sin, these promises are not for you. These promises and these guarantees are for people who are trying to flee sin. In fact, look at verse 14, the very next thing that Paul says. He says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And that would have been very important for those Corinthians to hear. The Corinthian church had members in it who were former pagans. People who used to frequent at idol temples and were involved in idolatrous practices and were around idly kinds of things. And so what Paul is urging them to do is to avoid such places lest they are tempted to be involved in those things once again. Paul says, don't fool yourself. Don't tell yourself, oh, I'm, I'm strong enough now. I'm a Christian. I've been baptized now. I can take it. I can stand the heat. No. No, Paul actually works out in this chapter that the Israelites, they had every advantage in the world given to them by God and it didn't do them any good. And so don't be arrogant, verse 12. Flee from sin, verse 14. And when you do that, verse 13, you can count on God that every time a temptation is in your path, God will place a detour around it. That's God's guarantee. Paul's saying we need to trust the Lord. We're not here battling sin on earth all on our own. He is faithful and He is willing to help you. And when you see how God guarantees that help, goes out of His way to guarantee that help, then suddenly, suddenly there is renewed confidence in the Lord, isn't there? Suddenly we have confidence to, to control ourselves. We have the confidence to practice self-discipline. We have the confidence to say no to temptation 
even if it seems like everybody else around us is saying yes. God guarantees His help. And so, do you remember the summary of this sermon? Remember what I said at the outset would be the takeaway for this lesson? 1 Corinthians 10 is saying that you can do it. You can overcome temptation. You can do that if, number one, you'll heed the Bible's warnings and recognize that you are not immune to temptation. If you'll stop thinking, number two, that you're the only one who's ever experienced this kind of tempting and recognize that your temptations are not unique. And most of all, number three, if you will see and believe and trust that God is for us and that you can count on Him when that temptation arises, then indeed, you can do it. Why? Because God guarantees it. Now in just a few moments, we're going to stand and we're going to be led in a song of encouragement inviting anyone who needs to respond to the call of the gospel to do so this very morning and in fact to do that this very hour. If you're not a Christian this morning, let me say to you first of all, you actually got a pretty good and pretty candid look at what the Christian life involves and what is a big part of that. There is a constant battle as the children of God that we will have with sin and with temptation. That doesn't go away just because you become a Christian. But you know what? In Christ Jesus, we have access to some marvelous tools and resources that we would not have otherwise. We have brothers and sisters now. We have an avenue of prayer. We have so many things that God is offering to us to help us in that daily battle. And so this morning, can we encourage you to come and to be the beneficiary of those blessings by announcing, confessing your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? and then being buried with Him in the waters of baptism. You do that, that'll make you a Christian. You can then join the ranks and you can be a part of this fight against sin and temptation. And the difference now is you'll be on the winning side. You'll be on God's side and we can help each other to go to heaven. If you are a Christian this morning, but you've not been living faithfully for the Lord, you've allowed temptation to enter back in, in fact, it has overtaken and overcome you, then brother or sister, this is the hour and this is the moment for you to get back in the fight. It's time to stop laying down and letting the devil have his way with you. This is the moment to correct all of that through repentance, to ask God for forgiveness, to call upon your brothers and sisters and say, Hey, I know that you can relate. I know that you can understand. Our temptations are not unique. And so I'm asking you to help me and to encourage me so that all of us can serve the Lord and go to heaven when we die. Whatever your need may be this morning, we stand ready to assist you. You simply need to make that known. Do that by coming to the front while we stand and while we sing.